Welcome to the Jesus Said Love podcast. This is a space where we talk about what it means to awaken hope and empower change. Listen, for over a decade, Em and I have been fostering relationships with men and women who've been impacted by the commercial sex industry. And it's through those relationships that Jesus Said Love was born. We figured it was time to talk about what this ministry has taught us and is still teaching us along the way. I promise it's going to be a place of conversation and story. And we hope you learn something new. Maybe you see something in a new way. Fun fact, you're going to hear music because Brett and I are musicians. Yep. We can't just talk. Nope. we got to sing and play too. We do. Here's the deal, guys. Our hope is that as you hear these stories, that you'll tap into your own story and that you'll be encouraged to live and love well like Jesus. Okay, Em, we're not doing the normal intro because okay. you're not giving me normal nights here lately. Wait, because I'll tell you what it means. It means I'm tired of going to the ER with you to get stitches <laughs> in your hands. I know. I was not doing anything crazy though. I was not making a weird Halloween costume this no, time. No, if you're if you're just now listening, you you might remember in October one yes. of those episodes that she sliced her wrist open because she was making a costume. And last night we're fixing to wind it all down. Uh-huh. We're fixing to get in the bed, (laughs) and we're going to watch that new cheer thing Mm -hmm. on Netflix. Yeah. And she goes, I want to go take a bath real quick and test out this new bath soap we're trying at Lovely. Uh And all of a sudden, I hear, Brett. And I go in there, and you picked up that thing and sliced your finger open. Okay, so I made, this wasn't our Lovely jar, but I had made a homemade sugar scrub, and I'd put it in a mason jar type thing, and apparently... I didn't know this, but the sugar, when it gets under the glass, can form a glue. Like when sugar melts, like it's molasses, hard. It's like yeah. crystallized. Yeah. And so that glass jar wasn't moving. And so I just tried to pick it up and move it. Literally the whole thing busted in half, sliced my thumb open. And it was so deep. It wasn't large, but it was so deep that you know how it doesn't like bleed. It's just like white flaps open. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Well, I know. I know you know. (laughs) Okay. We'll we'll get. We'll get. We'll get to that in a second. You'll get to see who I'm. Because some of you are going. You have no idea Uh, what that means. uh -uh. No, you don't know what that. So these white flaps. So when white when white people bust their skin open, (laughs) sometimes when it's so deep, um, there's no blood yet. It's just the inside of your skin, and so that's when I knew uh, this is like. A deep laceration. Well, by the so time I came to the ER. bounding in there, the blood was there in full yeah, fury. That's true. So. Again. I, which leads us very well into what we're talking about today. And it's the fact that if you keep sending me to Premier ER, <laughs> I'm going to seriously need some therapy. More therapy. You're More, already in yeah, therapy. Yeah, that's true. That is fair point. <laughs> um, and so today, I am so excited that yes. our friend yeah. uh, Gary Wardlaw is in the house Woo! today. Yay. Gary Wardlaw, I'm Gary welcome Wardlaw. to the Gary podcast. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Uh, Gary Wardlaw is from Virginia. Virginia. Born in Baltimore, raised in Virginia. And um, we met Gary a couple of years ago. This I just love this story. I think it's fun. We met Gary a couple of years ago via his wife, yeah. who yeah. was coming... They had moved here to go on staff at Baylor. Um, his wife, Brittany, is an attorney, and she was going to work in the Title IX office. And if you know anything about the Baylor saga, that was, yeah, it's just a whole thing. 
And so um, we met them through mm-hmm. a thing Emily was doing at Baylor. And then the next thing you know, we form a friendship. We have dinner. They're looking for a house. At that point in our life, <laughs> so we were weird. looking to either renovate our house or sell it. And after that dinner, they ended up buying our house. It was so crazy. So quick and crazy. It was so quick and crazy. But then the process was not quick and crazy. The process. It was crazy, but not quick. It wasn't quick by any means, stretch of imagination. Oh and so, but what's cool about that, I mean, there's so many stories that yeah. I need about yeah. that. But yeah. one I want to bring to light here is the fact that it, it, at that house on Windsor, in the very back, there's a little guest house. And the little guest house, I'll never forget when Emily and I were looking at that house as newlyweds, my dad said, you need to bulldoze this guest house. It's a junker. <laughs> and I said, no, we're going to keep this. We're going to make this our yeah. ministry office. And so what's neat about it is that's where JSL was born. It was in this mm-hmm. little 400-square-foot back house. We've yep. made records out there. Mm-hmm. We've housed women coming out of addiction and coming off the streets have lived out there. Um, and then when we sold it to Gary and Brittany, his vision for the space was to continue on in ministry. So tell us what the little guest house at Windsor is now. Oh man, it just gave me chills. And if I could, before I answer that question, just going back to that dinner, just how sovereign God is Mm. it, you know, we're, we're sitting here looking because the vision is all was always to have a home that I could have a practice out of. Mm. And then when you guys were like, oh, I remember like it was yesterday, you know, we're looking for four bedrooms. Like, well, we don't have four. We have three bedrooms. And Brett was like, well, I got a, I got a guest house in the back. You know? <laughs> and me and Brett are like, what? So we go out there and it was just like, this is it. Mm-hmm. Um, and for y'all to have that vision, that was saying something. Because that it house, was. it was not what it is now. It was no. a little bit run down. <laughs> it was it, it had some miles on it. it was you used. had to be a visionary. <laughs> To see in that guest house what you, you did, had, you did what you have now. But it, the feeling was there, like you could already tell the work that you guys have done. That the legacy was just continuing, mm. um, and and I think that's what excited us the most. That this was already a place that was broken into mm. and has such a rich history. And I was just like, I think we, I think I know this is it. And mm. so I just remember us saying like, "How much you guys want?" And then Brad was like, "Go home and pray about it." I'm like, "All right, cool." And me and Brittany looked at each other and were like, all right, how much you want? We Like, there's no need to pray anymore. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we know. Um, but just to, you know, to answer your question of, you know, what what it has turned, what it has turned into now is um, it's turned into the Relationship Clinic of Waco. And it's a place that I like to say that um, marriages um, can be addressed, can be healed, can be reconciled, um, where mental health can be addressed um, and really... Restoration can happen within relationships, mm-hmm. whether that's relationship with your with your spouse, mm-hmm. whether that's relationship with your son or your daughter, relationship with God, mm-hmm. relationship with a friend. Like, I mean, we really want the focus to be on mm-hmm. relationships mm-hmm. Um, and really a relationship with yourself even. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the vision. And it all kind of started, if I kind of back up in the story just to give yeah. some context, when we moved here and it's... We're on year three. I became a stay-at-home dad and it was something that I loved and still love to do. And I was just sitting around one day and I'm like, okay, God, you know, with all this education and my license, like, what do I do now? Because you're, you're a licensed family therapist. So, right. So, you have me back. I was like, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, a licensed professional counselor, mm-hmm. both here in Texas and in Virginia. Mm-hmm. 
And when we moved from Virginia, though, I wasn't licensed in Texas and I had to jump through all the Texas hoops because Texas, you know, everything's better. Because Texas. (laughs) That's all you got to say. Because it's Texas. That's all you got to say. So Texas made me go through like six months of necessary things to get licensed here. Mm -hmm. Um, But in in the meantime, I'm like, okay, what's next? And I heard God clearly say, I want you to start a private practice. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, I'll go on to other... I'll get, I'll get on to an already established practice like mm-hmm. I was in Virginia and just hop on board with them. Yeah. And I started looking at all of these practices um, in Waco and every, I probably went to a dozen, maybe 15 or 16 websites mm. and I did not see any black male therapists, mm. not mm. one. Mm. I ended up finding two licensed professional counselors that were black women mm. One Asian professional mm-hmm. counselor that was licensed, and she was a woman. And I was like, "This is a problem. Like, yeah. this is an issue." So that's mm-hmm. kind of where it all started. What about, what wow. about Hispanic? Wow, wow, none, none. Uh-uh. So majority so, white, majority white, still, majority women, majority white, majority women. Hmm. And yeah. I was like, if I wanted to see someone, exactly. I don't have an option. Not not that a white therapist, sure. not that a Hispanic therapist, like not that he couldn't help. But I don't have the option. And I mm. wanted to provide that option mm. to someone. Like you can it. be a great a therapist and be and be white and be culturally com- and, and be white. But the question is, are you culturally competent? Yeah. I think that's one yeah. of the biggest pieces. Mm. So for me, I just really wanted to bring that option to Waco and that's how the relationship clinic. I okay. think what you did there too is one of the best ways, even if we're talking in terms of entrepreneurship, which right. is, you know, you're starting out on your own, whether it's uh, in ministry and you're in social services of some sort, you have to identify what the gaps are. Exactly. You have to. Yes. I mean, that's the only way yes. that you are going to, because you have to know where's the gap and therefore, how do I meet that? How do you feel it? How do I feel it? Yeah. And so I just love that you were researching and you were like, okay, uh, there's a problem. Here's a gap. And, and Hey, God's like, and you're going to fill it. Right. (laughs) And, And I'm like, this was the furthest like business entrepreneurship. Right. My back, my undergrad is in communications, advertising, mm-hmm. and public Woo-hoo. relations. Holla. You're right? a good company. No, I'm a good company. <laughs> we know how to no, talk about things. We, we know how to talk about, about things. But to run a business? I'm telling you. It was, it's been such a learning curve. Totally. And it's only been God's, God's grace and then community of people that's been around me mm-hmm. that I feel like, oh, wow, I can now take on that that um, responsibility, that role as an mm-hmm. uh, as a, 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 a <coughs> owner, a entrepreneur mm-hmm. of a of a business. I never thought in a hundred years because I would. your other option would be to to sign on with an already established practice, right? Correct, and, right, and just be a on staff therapist or whatever. Yep. So, yep. my my first question is: you use the phrase culturally competent. Yeah. Put some words on that for me. <sighs> Being able to understand someone else's culture being able to validate their culture mm. being able to being able to communicate to them that I might not have lived in your shoes but I understand mm. um and in areas that I don't understand in this safe and intimate relationship help me understand mm. um i think too many times uh people 
they get this idea that I want to help people, but they don't take the time to really understand their culture. Because we just culture is if you break the word down to me, it's how do you do things? Mm. Like different cultures do things differently. Yeah. And unless you understand the nuances of their culture, it's going to be really hard to connect with that person that you're sitting across from. Mm. Um, you know, so for example, if I, I might say, you know, hey, you know, I feel like every time I go into a store, I'm being mm-hmm. watched, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like every time I go into this place, people are looking at me and keeping their eyes closely on me. And it's like, mm. it's just frustrating. It's making me angry. Mm. I might say that to a white therapist and they might call me paranoid. Right. Delusional. Uh, Let's talk about that. It, it, I mean, and that's just because. Because they've never been watched or followed yeah. or asked to get out of the car when they got pulled over immediately. Yeah. That's not the culture, mm. predominant culture that yeah. they live in. So if I say that to you, and you look at me like, well, are are you really being followed or mm-hmm. are you, you know, are they just making sure that everything is safe? Right then mm-hmm. and there, that's going to be like a, right. just I can't down. trust you, right? which means I'm not going to come into you, which right. means come to your office. I'm not going to be able to trust that you really, mm-hmm. truly understand the world that I live in. Mm-hmm. And so, so to me, cultural competence is so important, not only even as a, a black male, but as a therapist, I have to be able, when people come into my clinic, I have to ask that question. Hey, I know I don't know everything about your culture. Mm-hmm. So as your therapist, you are hiring me to help you through some maybe difficult situations, difficult things. What do I need to know about mm, your being culture? Being a woman. Mm. I need to know about being a woman. Yeah. What do I need to know about being Hispanic? What do yeah. I, and when people, when I ask that question to people, because here's the thing I told Brittany the other day, I was like, if you look at the demographics mm. of the last year and some change, mm. I have a super diverse clientele. That's awesome. White women, black women, Hispanic women, Hispanic men, mm. black men, black women. Mm-hmm. I have the range. Awesome. Mm. Now, could I have some more? Yeah. Absolutely. But I, I was sitting in session the other day on Monday and uh, this Hispanic lady, she said, um, do I have to fill out all of my siblings? Mm-hmm. And on my intake form, I have about five five slots where you put down <laughs> your parents and all your siblings and then describe <laughs> briefly describe your relationship. She was like, do I have to put them all down? I was like, how many do you have? She was like, seven. And I was like, oh, Right. Yeah. She was like, look, if you're going to see Mexican people, you need to have more lines. <laughs> you know, and I was like, I love it. I was like, oh, you hey. know what? More you're lines. Right. I need to more have more lines. lines. And we laughed about it. But awesome. the fact that she, and I told her, I said, what do I need to know about yeah. Hispanic culture? What do I need to know about this part of you that's Mexican mm-hmm. that you would feel welcomed mm-hmm. into my clinic? Mm-hmm. There's so much humility even there in that is. question, just to yeah. say, Right from the get-go, what do I need to know about your culture to help me move towards you? Yeah, exactly. Versus, I'm not racist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I love black people. I <laughs> love Mexican people. Yeah. Like, which is what... It- Oh yeah, it's, my that's people the narrative. Tend yeah, to white, lean white people are just—it's like the narrative. It's like we come out and and it it literally is taught to us to say I'm not racist. Yeah, it's like immediately on the defense, and it's like wait, I don't have to be on the defense. Let's just move towards each other. Help me understand, and let's learn. I mean, again, my my and my culture is racist. Yes, like then then there's that right of like. Are you, you don't have to defend what you are not. 
If exactly. The, you don't have to defend. I don't have to defend. Right. I love Jesus. Right. I, I can act like it. Right. And then right. what people want to think about me is what they want to think about me. That's their problem. But yeah. I don't have to defend whether or not, you know, I'm racist or not. When the truth is my culture is racist. White people have, you know, historically. systemically, historically right. Right. oppressed, marginalized people, black right. people, Hispanic people. Right. LGBTQIA, I mean, it, but, right. but specifically African-American. I that's mean, where it started. Right. That's where I know that truth about my own race. You know, it's right. interesting. You know? It's yeah. interesting we're talking yeah. about this because it, it kind of piggybacks off what we talked about last episode when we, we mm. did an episode on the Super Bowl mm-hmm. sh- halftime show and, oh. you know, there were a lot of people screaming, oh, oh it was inappropriate, da 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 and kind of, so we had to... Uh, women from the Latino community on on oh, the wow. show, and wow. they gave their perspective. They both love Jesus. They both, you know, are all you know, they're strong women. One's an entrepreneur. One's in the family business, and and one's a trafficking survivor. One is a trafficking wow. survivor because that was one of the arguments. Wow. Yeah. Was this show is promoting human trafficking, mm. and I struggled I with that because I that. thought this seems to be a celebration of the culture. Yeah, and one of the lines they said was, "What would it be like for?" for the fact that this show was not done for you white people. Mm. This show was done for the Hispanic culture wow. to celebrate the Hispanic culture. Yeah. yeah. And white people just get to watch. But yet mm. white people had all most of the noise uh, was coming was from it? They white were the noise. I, I I heard the noise but I didn't tune into yeah. it. So I probably I, I need to one I need to go back and and listen to that last episode but I can imagine yeah. what, you know, it was probably difficult for people to land on a certain right. side of what that what they experienced, but yeah, yeah. it was so it was cultural, interesting. Yeah. But so this, that cultural context makes a difference. And it so does. It really does. I uh, you're breaking a lot of stereotypes just given the work that you do and the yeah. lane that you're falling in, and so. I think one of the things that you guys were flipping the paradigm on when we met you and Brittany, your wife, is um, she was holding down the job that at Baylor, right? And you were committed to being a stay-at-home dad, right? Which already for a male yeah. was like, what? Oh my and goodness! You're in the yeah. south. <laughs> You're in the South and, you know, yeah. you're a black family. Like, what yeah. does that mean for you as a male? What does it mean for you as a black man? Um, and then and then the second stereotype is just you're a male in in licensed in mental health. Yeah. In Anomaly. counseling. Yeah. And then you're a black male. I mean, it's just like all these stereotypes. You're just mm-hmm. kind of like and I just busting them up. Busting them up. I, I want to jump in here real quick to add yeah. another layer to this conversation because I know there may be some people who are listening right now who are going, this conversation is leaning a little bit liberal. You know, they're talking about racism and this, that, and the other. I just want to say this. You and your wife went to Liberty University. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's it, true. Liberty. Your wife. <laughs> we were there for 10 years. Your wife yes. was on staff at Liberty University. Yes, executive yes. staff. Yeah. So that so adds a was, freaking another layer yeah, to this conversation. She was... One of the few who held an executive title, which means she was in a room with a lot of white men, high powered <laughs> white men. I'm serious. Yes. I'm serious. And, I'm and she was holding on. She was. Yeah. She, I mean, and she was, I mean, to the, and it showed because when we were leaving, they, they tried to throw the kitchen sink at her mm-hmm. to stay. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think, I think it went, it showed 
her value yeah. um, and how she was able to to navigate um, in in that type of world and yeah. in, in, in really a, a, a white culture, white male dominated world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So y'all are, let yeah. me think. So yeah, going back to the breaking down these stereotypes, I know it, it was hard. Mm. Um, you know, I think, you know, Brett and Emily may, may or may not remember, but I'll, I'll mention it like hard to the point when we moved here, my identity was getting rocked to the point I would call, mm. I called Brett and Emily a couple of times mm. and in tears, just like, what am I doing? Mm. Like, what is right? What is down? What is up? Mm. What is right? Left? Like mm. I was so confused because here I am following the Holy Spirit, mm. what I believe to be true. My wife got this great opportunity. You don't find too many men that will say, I'm going to follow you. Mm. Yeah. I'm a, and I'm, I'm going to hold down the girls. Mm. I'm going to hold down the house. I'm going to mm. cook. I'm going to clean. <laughs> You're going to do the hair. I'm going to oh do the hair. Gosh, which we're going to so post. Talented. on. We're going to post some videos. I got to do some more. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take care and nurture. Not that she wasn't, because she sure. still does. Yeah. I want to I want to take on that role and it, and then I was confident I was I was happy I was proud and then people started chiming in mm-hmm. people started saying things like a man that doesn't eat doesn't work mm. man, sorry man that doesn't work doesn't eat mm. or you know why is why is your wife working and you're sitting at home Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I had phone calls of, of being attacked. Like, you need to go get out. You need to go out and get a job. Like, was this from your own community? Can I ask where? Oh, absolutely. Like, f- family, the people that yeah. I grew up with. Yeah. Like, yeah. This was from not only the black culture, but people that was close to me. Yeah. Um, but this was also from the Christian community yeah. and, and friends that were close to me. And I think what what I what I learned was, and, and this is why I had to exercise grace was. They didn't realize the impact that it was having on me. Mm. Not that it gives them a skew, an, mm. an excuse, but they didn't realize how their doubt was causing me and causing me to spiral, mm. like to the point where I didn't want to post on social media. I didn't want to put out what I, I was remember. doing because I'm like, well, maybe maybe I'm wrong, mm. and maybe maybe this is not what it's supposed to be. Maybe I do need to be getting out. But then I had to recenter. Mm-hmm. I had to reach out. Mm-hmm. To people mm-hmm. like y'all mm-hmm. that would say, "What is the Holy Spirit saying?" Mm-hmm. That's the voice that you follow. Mm-hmm. And so, what I was able to do from that was regain my footing, mm-hmm. be confident in what I knew I was going to be doing, and, and, and realize that not only my not only am I good at this, I'm, I'm great at being a stay at home dad. Uh-huh. Like it comes so natural. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I'm caring for my family and. People will take the Bible and cherry pick what they want to cherry right. pick, but they don't look at the verse in the Old Testament that says you shouldn't go to war for a year, but you stay home to please your wife and make her happy. Ah. No, no one looks at that verse and how many males are staying home for a year to make their wives happy. So mm-hmm. I started to learn as I grew and matured in my faith that Jesus was sent to like break up and bust up stereotypes and, and mm. cultural norms. Mm. So you know mm. what? It's okay to break this cultural norm that mm. my wife has to be in the home. Mm-hmm. I have to be out. And unless I'm out making money, I'm not 
I'm not a full man. And I'm just like, yeah. that's not, that's a lie. That's not true. And what is that even saying about, I think it really speaks to our American culture that idolizes money. Yeah. We idolize, yeah. we, we put value on people based on their outputs. You know, it's oh, like, yeah. that's what you're worth. If you've got to this level in business, if you've gotten yep. to this, if you're doing this with your life, then, oh, you're successful. You're yeah. okay. You, you have value to yeah. us. But yeah. yeah, when we when we choose to do something that's countercultural, and that is what's yeah. true for us, um, it, it can stir up a lot. Oh, people will have their opinions. People have their opinions, and I, and I had to learn like it. Your opinion, I got. I hear you, uh-huh. and I want you to feel like you can speak into my life mm-hmm. and, and be that friend. But at the end of the day, I have to follow what I know to be true, mm-hmm. and that's. And the truth is, I'm taking care of my family. I had to, the truth is, Proverbs 31 talks about not only a woman that takes care of her home, but also goes out and works. Mm -hmm. Burning that midnight oil. Burning that midnight oil. (laughs) And I just had to like, for my, once in my own Christian walk, say, it doesn't matter as long as I know that the cultural norms that I'm breaking up um, is... Uh, make an impact for the kingdom Yeah And that's what I had to land on So I'm like You know what I'm a stay at home dad I'm going to wear that badge proud mm-hmm. Yeah um, Since I went from being a stay at home dad of one To being a stay at home dad of three <laughs> um, And I still promote my wife mm-hmm. to, to work People want to call me a feminist Yes I, I love to <laughs> right? empower my wife And I'm going to empower my three women my three little women To be out and go set the world on fire for mm-hmm. Jesus And it starts with the way I treat my wife And I want her to I want her to be everything God's called her to be. So, yeah. And I think there's something to, like, don't you think it's true that, I mean, there are seasons. I, I look back at my right. own life and my own journey in leading a ministry and in starting a ministry, and there were some months that I stayed home more, and there were some months that I was out in the community more. And there were just, and there were seasons where we were, we were both bearing the brunt, very, yeah. very. Oh, I mean, I even think but, about our JSL context. I mean, right. I didn't start this. Right. You. This was your crazy idea. Yeah. True. And I didn't Look join at you on now, really Look until at a couple, you now. I know. Just <laughs> living the dream. I upgraded you. I, there's a song. I know. I'm kidding. No, Brittany did that to me. Like, yeah. 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 Me too. <laughs> no, but seriously, you. I mean, when 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 we met each other, and when we started in ministry. I was the one. It was it was, it was my calling. You joined yeah. my calling, and mm-hmm. in, in the worship piece. Yeah. And then there came a point when that kind of shifted a little bit, and the Holy Spirit said, "You need to join her. Mm-hmm. You need to join her in what she's doing. Yeah. And it's going to be a continuation of what you've already done. And so I did fight a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Wait, I didn't start this. She started this. I'm mm-hmm. supporting her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think if I'm totally completely honest, I've would compete with her mm. on some levels. Wow. Because I was so used to being the founder, you know, the yeah. one, the first one that people called. Yeah. And then it was now, oh, wait, now they're, oh, they just want her. Yeah. Oh, they want her for an interview or they want uh, her for, wait, I got to do something with that. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm the support here. Uh huh. So I now totally that, get, it, I get it. It's what a, does that mean it. as a male? Like, yeah. what, yeah, like, what does that, um, what what do you have to do with that, you know, mentally, emotionally? 
Man, I think. I mean, you, the first thing that comes to my <laughs> mind is secure. Is you have to be secure. Uh huh. That yeah. is the first thing. Like you, you have to be secure in who you are, and you cannot hold hold on to these. What what our society um, defines a man by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's the first. Yes. Like you, you. I got, and I had to learn it the hard way. Mm. Like I had to learn the hard way that. I, my wife is in front mm. And that's okay and, and Oh man what was it Things at a conference That we went to And they talked about Just the The idea of this uh, Gary Thomas That was at his mm. At a conference About a month ago And it talked about This idea of uh, The principal dancers um, Like in In ballet mm-hmm. And how There's a There's always The male that comes on To help the mm-hmm. women like the the minute, and I never knew this. The minute they see on that you see on stage, their whole purpose is to highlight the ballerina, mm. is to put mm. the ballerina out front, mm-hmm. is to make sure that the ballerina doesn't fall, is to mm-hmm. make sure that you stick with that, can protect her. Mm. You are and you are to stay in the background, mm. like. And for me, I just had like that. That takes a lot of security in yeah. in your man and and who you and who you are as a man. Um, because the audience is seeing, look at look at how high that ballerina is lifted. Look at, you know, this the audience is seeing what they want to see because yes. they're seeing the beautiful work. It's like the cheerleaders on top, the flyers. Right. They're not yeah. seeing the base. They're not seeing the support and the strength yes. that it takes yes. to lift up and to make that person fly. Yeah, and yeah. To, to highlight that person no matter what, yeah. and to make sure that also that person. Doesn't fall like right. There's a lot of safety yeah. that that's required of that uh, of that that principal dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that's the first thing that comes to mind is just being secure, um, knowing who I am. Because mm-hmm. if I if I don't know who I am, yeah. in Christ, um, I think it's easy for me for the noise that I yeah. was all the background noise that I was getting to influence me to maybe take my eyes off the principal dance or the, the mm-hmm. ballerina. And start to try to do my own thing. And mm-hmm. the next thing you know, she's going one way, I'm going another way. <laughs> right. And like, there's mm-hmm. just chaos. Yeah. So like, I had to really be like, what is my role right now? Mm-hmm. And my role right now is to care for our kids mm-hmm. and to support my wife just in spite of anything. Mm-hmm. So if, without knowing that um, and having that security, I, I really think... Um, it, it could have been really detrimental to For sure. her success in, in our marriage, even. I bet you really had mm-hmm. to practice your own, like, you're the mental health expert here. Oh, yeah. And then all this is, you know, turned on you and highlighting all your insecurities and your <coughs> worth. And Oh, yeah. I mean, you had to so, practice what you preach, oh, well, in essence. It, quick story. I, I went through a bout of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I shared this. A while back Just because I felt Released to But It was We had had Anastasia We had just had Justice And Justice was Kicking my If anybody knows I, <laughs> If you get to know us You follow us on social media You'll know that Our middle child Is our Is a middle child She mm-hmm. is An eight She <laughs> is You know the Enneagram She, she You know Trust is her biggest thing. If you mm-hmm. break it, mm-hmm. um, her vo- she was prophesied, o- prophesied mm-hmm. over that she will be a, a torchbearer for her generation. Wow. Mm-hmm. The girl's strong. Yeah. And she takes that strength out on daddy sometimes uh-huh. and mommy. <laughs> and I just remember this one day, it, just, it was months. I used to love going outside and 
and like being in nature and, and taking the girls out. And I just got to a point where I had been in the house for so long. And I remember going outside and remembering I haven't been out here in a while. Like just to be outside and to be. And that's when I realized, oh, shoot, like I, I'm flipping through this index. I'm like, well. According to the DSM, mm. you know that's that's our diagnostic mm. manual. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm depressed. depressed. Yeah, so you and just looked at the data. I looked at yeah, well the the data, but the 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 symptoms. Like yeah. I'm hitting like five out of six. And I'm like, mm. man, what mm-hmm. do I do with this? Mm. And I, and I bring that up because that was the height of the noise that I was getting. All of the flack mm. of go 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 to work. Uh, you, you're not really being a man. You're not supporting your your family, <clears throat> and for me that was tough. But then a friend, a, a, a trusted friend, was like, "Dude, I don't know how we talked about. We were talking about privilege, and they were and not to take the conversation to white privilege, uh-huh. but he was like, one of the things that white people typically don't understand about white privilege is it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And the way he connected the dots was, you have the privilege of being a black." stay-at-home dad. Mm. Use your privilege mm. to let other people see it. Mm. Use your privilege to motivate or to provide hope to another male, black male, Hispanic male that it's okay to stay at home, to to be around your kids, Man. to nurture them. Like, don't stop putting... Because he was wondering, like, why, is the vid- why have the video stopped? Why have the right. video stopped? And it's like, because I had... I was afraid of my privilege that people would... Mm. Um, use it for their use it for not good reasons mm-hmm. you and, know you as and unless i mean the numbers are out there for what african american children have lost in terms of a present father oh yeah so the yeah. fact right that you are involved that you are nurturing that you are tending to i mean that is a privilege of your daughters that most and many african-american children do not have in this country but let's not forget let's not let's not forget though not only is he the stay-at-home dad but he's the stay-at-home dad who's also got the counseling practice in the back right right so (laughs) so you are working right it's just the context is different. It's different. Then the corporate guy goes downtown. And works for the man right. or the and woman. It's, and it's a way. Right. It, it, there's a, they're away a lot. You know, yeah. so for me to be at home, yeah. he was like, dude, wow. use your privilege. Yeah. Like, that's what we, that's all we that's all we want with people to when you have a privilege, use, use it. it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Don't, for good. Don't that's good. Use it for good. Like don't be yeah, ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be defensive. Right. Like recognize, like yes, I have this. Pri-. So I had to realize. And to me, that would that really took my head mm. out of the clouds. I was like, man, like you're you are right. Yeah. Like I'm going to use my privilege, um, and 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 get back to doing what I love to do. Uh-huh. Um, and it did take a while. So when y'all first moved yeah. here, you were just stay at home dad in it before the relationship clinic took off. Yeah. So there were some, there was a year and a half, two years before yeah. before we the actually, relationship well, clinic opened. Well, because you had to jump through the Texas hoops to get jump your, through Texas hoops. Yeah. <laughs> get right. your and then, license. And then <laughs> renovate and get then reno- and then renovate, renovate that back house, yeah. which took some time yeah. too. That you actually scraped the floors on. Oh and my Your blood, sweat, I'm, and tears. I'm still mad at Brett for him over. putting those. Hey, my, I left my blood, sweat, and tears for you, bro. Come on. 
Yeah, he, he. Brett did a number Let's, in that bathroom uh, towel work that legacy. he tried to do. Legacy. His legacy was legacy. all over that 400 ah, square feet. Fam, I was mad. I was mad. So talk, talk to us also just about that the relationship clinic you you get it off the ground yeah. you you now are at a place where you're like I'm secure I am ready to open this clinic I mean obviously we all have insecurities we're still yeah, yeah. shaking we out through, right but you you come out of that season of of depression and insecurity and you launch the relationship clinic yeah. so what what is this practice what happens it's all about relationship but what do you what do you yeah, do? What do I do? Break down mental health care for, for all of our listeners. Oh, man. This is a, it's a tough question. <clears throat> I mean, I know you don't want to give away all your tricks. No, I'll and give secrets. them away. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'll give them away. So essentially what I do is like mental health is, is tricky, right? So obviously mental well-being. Right? When you think about mental health, I think there's a lot that, that goes along with mm-hmm. it. I think people, the same way we, I don't know way I like to describe it, is the same way we want to make sure our, our physical health mm-hmm. is good. Like, we want to make sure our mental health is good. Like, we want to make sure that our mind is thinking what we need to be thinking, that it's not being overrun or um, kind of inundated with things that are really not going to help us um, be the most healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's just simply put, like, we want to make sure that your mind is in a healthy place. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that people's minds are in a healthy place. I want to make sure people's relationships are in a healthy place. Um, I guess I'm a question that, that, that Brett asked before we started recording was kind of like, what's like the first, you know, like, that, I think that'd be a good segue into like being able to describe what okay. I do. Yeah, yep. and yeah. So, that- so what triggered that for me is knowing that, just knowing your heart and hearing your thoughts on the relationship climate, you really wanted to focus on men, in particular African American men, because yeah. you said from you know just from the research that that's probably one of the least um, counseled or. Th- uh, it- uh, that's the least population that maybe utilizes therapy. Yeah, Would they, 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 they that? go they to go into the door absolutely, and, and then but the you, most that probably need it. So so mm. why at least they go through the door? The talk most about need it. talk about why that is. We're just real quick. Oh man, I, okay. So I think why there's why we're the most that need it, but least likely come through the door. Yeah. Why why uh, doesn't the African American community utilize or what's the stereotype or oh, the the oh, of my counseling goodness. Oh, that exists? Here we go. What's the narrative? Uh, stigma. Mm-hmm. Black black people don't go to therapy. It's a white person's thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because go, we're more fragile and need it. Because black people are supposed to be tougher. Because black people historically was stifled in their emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think on top of that, you go you go to church. So. One of the this I'll, I'll tie my shirt into this the campaign that I pray I talk I see a therapist. Mm-hmm. The reason why we did that is because the the narrative in the black community is and it's kind of like we do it to ourselves. Historically, the only place that we could go to was church, which is great. Like yeah. I'm, like, I I want to make sure I highlight that like sure. that is not a bad thing. Right. right, right. We had to go like that was our safe haven, Man. and and but it was it was like. Once we had access to other things, we still 
we still maintain or stayed in the same kind of mindset that mm-hmm. what you say in here stays in here mm-hmm. and that here is church. Mm-hmm. You talk to the pastor, mm-hmm. you talk to friends in church mm-hmm. and or you, you go to the barbershop or you go to the hair salon and yeah. that's where you get all your problems <laughs> solved. Right. Which is kind of true to, to some yeah, degree. Like, to some degree. But when you come to the professional aspect of mm-hmm. it, it's like we have to be able to break down the stigma that church is the only place that you can he- get healing mm-hmm. from. And I think that's a great part too. Like I want people to pray. I mm-hmm. want people to talk to the Lord. I want people to have that spiritual, that, that spiritual aspect of them um, tapped into and mm-hmm. utilized. But I think historically, we were always told, pray about your problems mm-hmm. or you just need Jesus. Jesus or, is enough. Jesus will fix it. Yeah. And it's like, yes, <laughs> right. that is true. But he also <laughs> might do it through a therapist. <laughs> might do it through a therapist. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I think we've just taken that narrative on too long yeah. that if you go to therapy, it's a sign of weakness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you go to therapy... Um, you are, it shows some type of deficit in, in who you are. So it's just like, you stay away from it. Um, you don't, you don't go to therapy. So I think that's one of the barriers is just the stigma that we've created. Um, and then we're, we're told as a, as a culture, keep that to yourself. Like Mm -hmm. bottle that up. Mm -hmm. That's how you deal with it. You keep, don't be talking, don't tell everybody your problems. Don't be telling, because if you tell somebody your problems, then the person across the street gonna know. The next whole next thing you know, everybody in the community gonna know. Mm-hmm. So don't talk about your problems. You keep that bottle up, and I think that's what we do. Is and, and we think we're doing ourselves a favor. Yeah, we think that we're doing ourselves some type of justice by keeping it inside and not not sharing it. Mm. So I pray, I talk. The reason why I put that in is because you just need to talk. You need to get this out. Don't keep it to yourself. You're not doing yourself mm-hmm. a favor. And I see a therapist is like, go see somebody professionally that yes. is trained that can help you identify the themes and patterns. And it goes back to your question of what I really do mm. is I, I sit with people and the first thing I do is listen. Mm. I provide a space. So people come to therapy for a couple of reasons. One, and the way I like to practice is they come to therapy and they want someone to listen. Period. Mm. They want someone to hear them without judging, without shaming. Mm-hmm. They want someone to finally just create that space, to hold that space mm-hmm. where I can vent, mm-hmm. I can cry, and I'm going and, and, and in return I'm going to get unconditional positive regard. And mm-hmm. that term for me that I learned in, in school is really I connected to Jesus. Like that's yeah. what he gives us. Right. Unconditional. Po- I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you will do. Right. I don't care what mistake you made two hours before you came into my session. You're going to be accepted. You're yeah. going to be received, and you're going to receive unconditional positive regard. Mm. Period. No matter. I don't. There's nothing too ugly that mm. Jesus can handle. So there's nothing too ugly for therapy. Mm-hmm. I want you to talk about that hardest, most ugliest, nastiest mm. thing. That if you were to say this out loud, people are going to put you at the stake. So what I do is I create a space for people to come in and talk freely, unapologetically, unedited, mm. and just vent, share, cry, whatever. Then the other thing is I do is I also create that, but then the other person comes to therapy and they want some kind of action taken from, like they want to, they want all of the space and, and listening, carefully listening, but they also want to change something about them, their mm-hmm. lives. They want 
to do something different. So what I do is I, I say, okay, here are the things that I've identified, the themes that I've identified in your life. And we're going to go back to family of origin. We're right. going to talk about like where you learned all these things, where you can learn this mindset from. And then based off of what they say, I kind of say, all right, here we go. Here are some practicals that mm. take you, that will help you maybe get from where you came into therapy mm. and where you want to be when you leave therapy. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the, the, Biggest things that I do is just, yeah. You know that mm. that's that's good for you to say mm-hmm. that. Um, so, like in my own life, I just started going. Like I know that. But here's the lie that I told myself for all these years of why not to go. Yeah. I talk. Yeah. Like I talk to everybody. I'm an open book. I, you know, I've got my real close friends, and we right. know, every single little thing. Um, that was a lie, though. Mm. Because I think the value, what I'm learning the value in going is that you as a trained professional, yeah, you can see things, you can see boundaries, yeah. you can see edges that yeah. even my close friends can't see. Mm-mm. And so even though I'm talking to them, they're not seeing the patterns you just talked about yeah, or family of origin question. Or, yeah. But you've been trained to hear Trigger moments where you can kind of go down that road mm-hmm. and help mine out some things of why yeah. do I always flip people off when they're parked in the right <laughs> lane at the red light? I mean, I don't where's do that, that but where's that anger from? Yeah. yeah. So what for me personally, I mean, truly, I have found the value in just yeah looking forward to it's not that I need to talk to you. It's that I want to see what edges you see. Yeah. Because I want to learn from way. that to yeah. figure out how in my neck, in, as my therapist calls it, you're tuning yourself for the next half of your life, Brett. That's good. Wow. Wow. So I want to know how to tune the next half of my <laughs> life, you know, so that maybe I'm not quite as much of an asshole here <laughs> or in this. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, maybe I don't use these coping mechanisms for right. this or for that. And, right. you know, um, that is it. So talk. Oh, sorry. I just I just had a thought too that in talking, one of the things that I think that white people can learn from the African American community is the sense of community and talking and and even emoting that is so comfortable for the African American community because white people typically didn't learn how to put language Mm, to their emotions. That's good. And so, um, like your church services, your your barbershop experiences right. um, are are every conversation is about what's happening in the world and where you've been put down and and mm-hmm. what's oppressive mm-hmm. and it was like around our dinner tables if anything got uncomfortable it was like <clears throat> um pass the wow. sweet potatoes please yeah. no 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 uh, no you know that's I mean we just. Yeah. It, it was all about preserving the peace, yeah. which was an illusion of control and power. Minding uh, your manners. Uh-huh. So minding your manners was uh. about survival, was about protecting the power. Absolutely. If you so can't say can, anything positive, don't, don't say, say anything, anything at all. You know, mm-hmm. we learned that. But I will also say the beauty, as as Brett was talking about, with friendships, what we're talking about in those friendships, and the reason why, no matter what culture you're from, therapy is yeah. a good idea, yeah. is because all of us are wired for survival and to protect our community. Absolutely. And so yep. that's a bias that we all have. Like, I can't see my friends for sometimes for who they truly are because I don't want to lose them. Mm. I don't want to say these things because mm-hmm. I want them to be my friend. You know, I want to preserve 
what's working and what yeah. we got going on. And if I really tell them about what I'm seeing in their marriage, that that can really that. disrupt community. Uh-huh. And so when you go to a therapist, what's beautiful is there's this objectivity to it. Yeah. That they yes. don't I mean, I'm paying you to objectively see me. Yes. You know, and you don't yes. have any stake in the ground. You no. don't care. I mean, if I come back or I don't come back, you hmm. got a waiting want, list. <laughs> right. All right. I want you to because I want to help you go. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean, I had somebody today at my 12 o'clock was like, literally, tell me based off of this because he was blaming his wife for everything. But he was like, look, what did I, what, what do I need to do to change? Mm. And, I, and I, to, I told him, he's like, be truth. And I said, here we go. You just described a, a lot to me, but here's what I need you to work on. Mm. Validate your wife. Mm. And he just, he stopped. He said, I do cut her off a lot. Mm. Yeah, I should probably. Yeah. He needs me to be honest with him. And that's yeah. one of the things that I have to do when, as a therapist. Totally. I have to be objective, but I also have to be honest. Yeah. Well, in the, in the, but the, the, maybe it's the, the, the innate boundary that's, in therapy, it's you can say that to him, but you're not going to dinner with him later tonight. No, no. Whereas if it's the same scenario and you're like good friends with him, right? You almost that's, you, you met because you don't want dinner to be not fun. That's that dynamic, and yeah. so it's it's just a completely different dynamic. It, I'm yeah. not I'm not best friends with my therapist, right? So she could say whatever she wants to to me, and the beauty in it is. It's just purely objective. Mm -hmm. it's just, and it's also why, like, in the context of even marriages, it gets messy because what women have been for men historically is, is like, free counseling. And and mm. it is, I am not his therapist. Right. I, I don't need to be his therapist. Right. I do not. I, I'm not going to be his mother. Right. I'm not going to be his, his therapist. And, mm -hmm. and. So it is so important to me for what you're doing and then what you're doing just by participating in therapy is because you are learning to see yourself differently and you're getting some some power and some control over your life and not depending yes. on a woman or a yeah. community to make you feel better about yourself. You get to, you just hit on it, but you get to learn how to self-actualize. Yes. And, it, and it's one of the biggest things I want people to do when they walk away from therapy and in the process. I had to realize, man, the reason why I was a womanizer mm. is because my dad was a womanizer. Mm. And his dad was a womanizer. Mm -hmm. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I had this in my lineage. For, and then I had to come to a place where, where people have to understand that it's internal. Like change. I had to realize that I wanted to stop yeah. this cycle. But I needed some practical ways of how to do this. Yeah. But it all came from me looking into my past, wanting to rewrite or, or narrate my future. Yes. And I had to make the necessary changes. And, and I think with that word, you know, with that word change, I always like to walk people through in the first session of, let's talk about your theory of change. Mm. How do people change? Mm. What causes people to change? What leads people to the path of changing? Mm. Is it a dramatic event? Is it a traumatic event? Mm. Um, does it come from external sources? Mm. Does it come from an internal source? Um, but these are all the things that people have to start to understand of how am I going to get the change that I want to get? Yeah. Like, how am I going to change my marriage? Yeah. How am I going to change myself? How am I going to change the family dynamics that we live in? Mm. Yeah. So. So 
I think what Brett asked too is, so one of the things that we talked about, even when you first started therapy was like, okay, Em, like, what 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 can I expect here? Oh you my know, gosh, like, that was the most. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's so, so intimidating. So the, que- so the question you're probably like, what is the question Brett asked before they started? <laughs> they keep alluding to it and chasing rabbits. Um, I think for me, and and what's funny, I'm such a hypocrite, I guess, or yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> I was the best encourager for people to go to therapy. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like an expert oh, yeah. the, at it. Yeah, I mean, like lots of therapists owe me money because, <laughs> because I you sent them it. business. You, you were the referral source, but I'm like, you know, I'm believing my own lies. Of no, I got this. I talk, you know, I understand. I'm, I'm, you know, whatever. And I work in a in a sector of ministry that holds a lot of trauma. Right. You're going to all the trauma trainings. Right. So I'm, you're right. doing I know it. all the questions. <laughs> you know, I know all the things. But then you, you like put it on your own self. It's like. <laughs> Um, and so my, when I finally decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this, I'm right. going to go, I make the appointment and I, I, funny story before we get there, just to draw it out even more, Emily had made me appointment about three oh, years gosh. ago. Yeah. Wow. I was just like, yeah, I was doing all the wrong things. She was I like, learned, I, I was need, trying to control to go, it You just need to go. You know what? And then she would like, I made you an appointment. It's at <laughs> two o'clock on Saturday. So that's, that's why I'm in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> For trying to get him into therapy. I try to control it. And I'm like, everything. why is she bossing me around? Why is she <laughs> right. trying? I don't need that. I talk to people. Right. I mean, I'm open. I'm not. And I just didn't go. Yeah. So then there's that. Right. Well, I, well, I'm an eight. I, you don't tell me what to do. I'll do yeah. what I want to do. When, mm-hmm. On your time. Mm-hmm. On my time. Yeah. I wasn't ready at that point. Nah. So finally, when I became ready, it was like I made the call. Mm-hmm. And then I may had to make the return call. Mm-hmm. Make the appointment. And so now it's like I'm normally you... like very confident in everything. And now I'm stepping into a situation that I don't have any frame of reference for. Nope. I've only seen it in movies. <laughs> what Control. is that first mm, yeah. meeting going to be like? Yeah. So, and it was terrifying. Oh. Until it wasn't. Until you got there. Look, you just described ha- half the battle is what you just did. Mm-hmm. You picked up the phone. You made, like, you picked the phone. You made the appointment. And not only did you do that, but you went there. Mm. You gotta go. You gotta go. <laughs> show up to grow up. That's what we show say up. here. That's what show we say up here. to grow. I love show it. Show up to grow up. And then you get there. Here's what I always ask. First, first question. Typically within the first thirty minutes. Typically within the first ten minutes. The reason why I say thirty because sometimes people are just ready to come to therapy and they just start letting it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's fine. Sure. Like I, I don't necessarily have the systemic. Yeah. Sometimes people come in. I'm like. So how was your day? Ooh. Right? Yeah, that's, the first, that's the first session. Um, but it it really is the, the it really is getting there, making the appointment, right? You can't you can't do it for somebody. Right. Right. Because if you do it for somebody, you you make the appointment for that person and they're not ready, mm-hmm. the impact is going to be very little. Mm-hmm. If if any. Um So the first question you ask, you said I say, how do you feel about being here? Mm. Mm-hmm. Let's put it out there. That's mm-hmm. your, my first question. What's going and the way I usually like to frame it is or phrase it is what's happening inside of you right now? Because mm-hmm. if I say how do you feel, that's sure, sure, that's sure. a little easier to wiggle out. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, it's good, great. You know, a little busy. Yeah, just got a lot going on. So you spend yeah. several sentences with wasting air. Yeah. 
But when Self-safe. you're like, what is happening? What's in happening your body? inside of you right in, now? Yeah, inside of you. They think. See the eyes shift. Then they start to say, I'm a little scared. Mm-hmm. Or I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that terror. Let's talk about that terrified feeling. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that nervousness. What's, mm-hmm. what's making you nervous? Anything that I'm doing? No. Just the idea of I'm here and I'm, and I'm, I'm at this point. Mm-hmm. Okay. But in that, you're evaluating their swallows, their eyes, their, oh. their body shifting. And that's communicating things to you oh. that your untrained friend that you're talking to doesn't know to look at. They, no. So then that informed, that's why going to the professional is so important I because can, you're gathering all kinds of information. All kind of nonverbals. Yeah. Your nonverbals say more than your verbal. Yeah, always. Mm, always. Say that so again. Your, your mm. nonverbals communicate way more than your verbals. I can sit here and I can and I can literally track a person's or couple's individual. I can track their body language. I can tell when the husband says something and the wife checks out. I can mm-hmm. say when the wife is about to get upset and the husband is about to escalate mm-hmm. and use his power and dynamic mm-hmm. his power dynamic over her. I can track when something's happening inside because I always look at it. here's here's mm-hmm. one of my tricks. I can always tell when somebody wants to say something. If their lips starts to quiver, if their eyes start to well up, if their voice starts to choke. Mm -hmm. And I have to ask, again, what's going on inside? Hey, I heard heard your voice cracking a little Mm -hmm. bit. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. And that is giving that person that freedom or that license finally to express my emotions. Last week, I I asked the wife that and she was like, in 17 years of marriage, I've never been asked that question. Gosh. And and the husband is right there. And he he was like, yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's that power of being seen. Yeah. People yes. want to be seen. Yes. You know, and in, in a safe way, not in a way that would exploit them. But, yeah. you know, to, to be seen, to say, hey, I just noticed, like, are you are you comfortable right now? You, you're sure shifting a lot. Or you're, mm-hmm. you know, like, what's happening in your stomach? Are you, you got butterflies yes. going on? What's that? Just to be seen. It's is huge. One of the one of the very first time I saw this new therapist, she, I started retelling some of my past and mm-hmm. totally dissociated, which is part of my pattern. Mm, yeah, and she yeah, knew it. She knew yeah, right when I did it. And yeah. what's funny is I know what that looks like because I work with uh-huh. victims of trauma. So I know grounding techniques and mm-hmm. not a professional, totally just no, trained no. and right. working with different tools that I can use in our yeah. setting and our situation. And so she brings it to my awareness and she's like, Hey, where did you go? Yeah. That is an amazing question. And I was like, Shit. Yeah. <laughs> I told her, I, I did. I said that. I go, shit, I just disassociated, didn't I? She goes, yeah, you weren't there long, but, yeah. but you went somewhere. Yes. And she goes, let's talk about this. And so she brought me yeah. just back to my body. I got uh-huh. a drink of water, you know, but, but to be seen like that is mm-hmm. huge. Cause I could probably, and have probably over the course of our marriage, over the course of friendships yeah. in retelling my story, dissociated many times. Mm-hmm. And um, not been grounded yeah. in in doing so, and that's super. Just the power of professionals, right? And most most friends, not that they don't want to, right? Because I think if you're somewhat in tune yeah. or somewhat know the power or the the practice of empathy, you can probably pick up on that. You can you might not be able to call it disassociation, yeah. 
But something just happened, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A friend might not want to go there. Not because right. they don't want to, but it's like, I don't know to do. So they're yeah. just going to kind of wait it out. Yeah. But that therapist is going to hold that space, have confidence that it's okay where we are, uh-huh. and safely walk you through whatever just happened uh-huh. inside to where you can you can become whole or become yeah. here or just give that that experience um the respect that it yes that it needs yeah so yeah and yeah it's it's amazing yeah. what y'all can it, what you're doing it, it, all that's going is, on in your minds and it's so funny because i always when i see somebody about to cry two two questions I always ask I always ask one um what do you what is it that you feel like you're holding back what is it that you're holding back right now um or two talk to me about those tears mm-hmm. when i say talk to me about those tears mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Starts to roll, yeah. and I usually say, "Let's identify like what are, what are those tears of? Yeah, tears of joy. And, and I'm I'm genuinely curious, curious. because I could think these are just tears of sadness. Mm-hmm. We just we just talked about how your dad was never there, and how your dad was never present, and how your mm-hmm. dad never answers the phone when you call, and you're a 25 year old woman. And I said, "Just what are those tears of?" And I'm thinking sadness. She was like. Of joy mm. because my mom was always at everything. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it was like that gratitude welled up in her, even in expressing the and, loss. And wow. Not, you know, so again, friends are great, community is great, talking it out is great, but then having that professionally trained, I mean, I just think it takes you to, it just takes you to another level. Yeah. What would you say to someone who's kind of exploring, um, should I go to therapy? Should I not? Let me be the first to tell you, I think you should go Um, as an expert. Um, What are the top three or two things that most people can expect to to walk away from a series of therapy? Man, that's a good question. Um, And I know for everyone it's going to be different, but generally speaking. So generally speaking, and, and I'll go obviously from my perspective, like one of the things that Top three things you should expect. I think the first one is probably, gosh, and I don't know if this, this is maybe not in, you know, ascending order or order of importance, but I really do feel like you should expect to be listened to, understood, and validated. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and this is an acronym that I, I teach to specifically couples, but I think it, it obviously it translates to individuals, right? Couples therapy, individual therapy. You can come to me for either one. But this idea of, of love, right? L-U-V. And it's like most people know how to L-O-V-E, mm-hmm. but not L-U-V-E. Um, not L-U-V. And that's listen, understand, and validate. Mm-hmm. And I think you should be able to come into a therapy room and walk away and knowing that that therapist listened to you, they understood your ther- your problems, understood your goals and your and your hopes, and are able to validate those throughout the process. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they should expect change. Um, they should expect to to feel to experience some type of wholeness. And whatever broken relationship that they want to work on. Mm-hmm. So I think for us, our mission at TRC is to see relationships made whole. So you should be able to, you should expect that this person that you, when you go into therapy, that when I walk out, 
the relationship should not be shouldn't look the same. Mm-hmm. The, the the challenges that I'm coming with coming in with shouldn't look the same mm-hmm. as when I walk mm-hmm. out. Um, I think going back to self actualization. Um, I want to say a stronger person, but you should be able to identify the themes and put up the boundaries in Mm. your life that you need to really be the person that you were created to be. Mm -hmm. Those are the first... Like you're having some tools. Right, some practicals. You are having more ability to cope. Right. You know, with... Yes, that's... That's well, it's great. I like, mean, it, it, it's exactly what therapy. It's kind of like done if you so me. so we've you're our third ther- certified therapist that we've had mm-hmm. on the podcast, and and if I'm thinking back to Rod Hetzel's episode, which was how to manage the or how holidays. to deal with how to deal with the holidays and family, mm. and, and he spoke from a practical perspective of you know if you're around that family member who is just that family member you don't want to be around, like practical steps of if they come in the room and you know, whatever, right. then you right. excuse yourself from there. You walk outside, you reground yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't expect them to change. Because <laughs> you can't that's control the them. First. That's the first. You can't control them. The only thing you can control is you. That's the only thing. So let's, I'm angry, they're in the room, now let me step out and reground myself. Yeah. And so, anyway. Man, I, so here's another thing. That you, it, you should expect, and I'll kind of, you should be you should expect to be able to explore the emotions that you have that you're unsure of mm. what to do with them and also gather and expand your emotional vocabulary. That's good. Mm. Yeah. I think what happens especially right going back to this idea of cultural mm-hmm. um breaking down cultural stereotypes is especially men cross culture. Mhm. I think you can argue slavery has a lot to do with African American males and mm-hmm. that and their 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 stripping of their mm-hmm. masculinity. Mm-hmm. So maybe the argument is there, but just in general, generally speaking, I think marriages suffer. I think people suffer because they never have a chance to explore or express the range of emotions. Mm-hmm. I think we're limited to anger. Yeah. We're limited to frustration. Um, only in the context, and you said I can really say, mm-hmm. you know, any, in the context of sex, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Men are the most expressive right. creatures you would ever know. Yes, yeah. Joy, happiness, laughter, yeah. like. Yeah, even ter- a tenderness, even a. The, you know, being able to express mm. tenderness yeah. in the context of sex. In the context of sex, because it's to get, it's to get. Oh what my you goodness! Want. I can express you know? <laughs> all these emotions, right? All these quote unquote sissy emotions, mm-hmm. these female emotions. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to expressing myself to my wife, mm-hmm. my girlfriend, or significant other, mm-hmm. or your child, or even your child, or your yeah. child, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Your child, Let like them see you, empathy, yeah. and 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 sadness, mm-hmm. and no, 
Yeah. Like you just don't express those emotions. Unfortunately, I think it's because of, you know, family. It goes back to family of origin. I'm a love marriage and family. Going back to our family, like, what was the what was communicated growing up about how you express emotions? Most totally. of the time, don't cry. You better not cry. I, right. I'm in my dad. I can hear his voice right now. You better not cry. Yeah. So yeah. what do you think that's going to happen? Like, don't express sadness. Don't express emotion. Like, don't do the things that females do. Right. And I feel like if you should come, you should come to therapy and be able to understand that one that's a fallacy mm-hmm. and then two that i am capable of expressing the range of emotions because if if i can't do that it's really going to be hard in intimate relationships yeah and, to, and, to connect and a full range of emotions is what makes a healthy human right so right. it's normal your loss if you can't yeah. do that <laughs> and you have you have to normalize it in therapy you have to normalize that yeah. the especially when it comes to mental health sorry if i'm i'm Jumping a little bit, but in terms of mental health, I think people, I think sometimes we, um, we don't, we try to, we, we try to frame everything in a pathological way. Mm. So if somebody is going through anxiety or depression, like they start to own that. Okay. Yeah. And for me, it's like, you're a human. You have emotions. Uh-huh. Someone just broke up with you. It might not be depression. Like a clinical, it long-standing might not depression, be. right. Because I think what happens is we don't, we, we stifle people. Yes. And we now put this label and now they say, well, I can't do that because I have anxiety. Uh-huh. Well, I can't take this test because I'm going to have a panic attack. Uh-huh. And we use this jargon that typically wraps people up in this, notion that i am my diagnosis yes so i typically one of the reasons why i don't take insurance because i usually have to die i have to diagnose with insurance uh-huh. i don't like diagnosing people right is there anything wrong let me make sure i'm very clear i don't yes. think there's anything wrong with di- sure. diagnosis sure, sure. medication yeah but for me that we are humans with emotions and that we have to go through challenging situations mm-hmm. so for that person that takes a test and they say, I can't, I can't take this test. I have to drop out of school because every time I take a test, I get a panic attack. My palms start sweating mm-hmm. and I start getting anxious. My thoughts, you know, not, not knowing that that person actually withstood that test, mm. maybe got a B on it, maybe got mm-hmm. a C, but the next time they're not going back to take that test or they got to drop out of school because right. I have panic attacks instead of reframing it uh-huh. as, wow, uh-huh. that was a hard situation for you uh-huh. and you press through it. And you did well. Yeah. And what can we do next time to give you some better tools? No, that's, right. no, that's I mean, that happened in my own life. I yeah. mean, there was a, a couple of years ago, I went to the dentist and my blood pressure was high. And they said, we think you have high blood pressure. You need to go to your doctor. So I got to my doctor. He said, Brett's a little high. You need to take this pill. I'm like, I don't want to take this pill. I don't want to have high blood pressure. Turns out I actually have a friend who's a cardiologist. So then, but before I could get into him, I had like three or four, not a month, but uh-huh. I don't know, six weeks. And I had panic attacks. Like, I, I we were driving yeah. from Dallas, and my chest got tight. Yeah. And I'm like thinking, where's the ER? Am I having the heart attack? And, yeah. And Emily's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I got to leave the room. You yeah. know, whatever. We were at dinner with friends. I had to leave the room. I mean, my heart was raised, all this stuff. Yeah. I go to my friend who's a cardiologist. He puts me through all the tests. And he goes, Brett, quit taking that medicine. You don't have high blood pressure. 
you're just fine. He said, we hate seeing the people from the yeah. dentist because people who go to get their teeth done, sometimes your blood pressure becomes elevated. Wow. He goes, you it's have, not a chronic He goes, you have white issue. coat syndrome. He goes, you're just fine. Everything with your heart's fine. Stop taking the pill. I haven't had a panic attack. Any of that sense. <laughs> I mean... Yes, that is. I'm not crazy. You're not crazy. I don't need Xanax. You don't need Xanax. One of the most overused addictive drugs. But yes, you (laughs) you don't. Right, you're a normal person with normal life experiences, and we have to be able to learn to teach ourselves to teach our children that this is like life is tough. Yeah. Mm And I might be anxious. That's a normal human emotion. I might feel depressed. That is a normal. normal. There could be circumstances. I could go through circumstantial depression. Hey, I just lost my dad. Hey, I just lost my whatever. Yes. I might get depressed for a little bit. And that's normal. (laughs) Right. Right? And and, and here's some people say, is it even depression? Or is it just... A, a normal right. reaction. Grief. Is, is it, it grief? grief? You know, yeah. like we literally, like uh, we just we just went through a miscarriage mm. uh, last week, and I remember, and I had to practice what I preached. Yeah, I remember going driving home, and I, I told you know I, I told somebody I, I won't say their name. <laughs> I was name. I told a family member you know I was struggling. I broke down on the phone. You got to be strong. Mm. <laughs> right. And you know what I did? I stopped crying. Mm. Mm. I stopped mm-hmm. and I was like, in my head, I said, you're not safe. Mm. You have to be quote unquote, you have to be strong for your family. Mm-hmm. Were they malicious in that? No, 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 no. no. Yeah. Right. That's their own narrative. That's that their own narrative. That's to you. But I was like, wow. So I remember driving home from the hospital I, after we got the news and, you know, we're getting there and it was, it was a traumatic experience, right? Mm-hmm. They said it, they did not, we didn't, they, we right. didn't find a heartbeat. Right. So I'm like devastated. But we have all three of our kids, mm. and then I'm with my wife now, and we like pack up and we're leaving the hospital. Um, and I'll, she's still pregnant. I mean, you know, mm. obviously, you know, she's still seeing. Like, you can mm-hmm. still see her stomach poking out. And I'm driving home from Hillcrest, and I I make it two minutes, and I put and I start, and a part of me was like, you gotta be strong. But I was like, no. The therapist to me said, pull over, mm. give your emotion space, yes. to yeah. breathe. Yes. yes. And I pulled over and I started crying. Uh-huh. And my my oldest <laughs> Anastasia came up, and she started wiping my tears, and I started crying more. And then she started <laughs> crying with me. Yeah. And then Brittany starts crying. And then Justin yeah. starts crying, and like we're all in this van, <laughs> crying, expressing emotions. It's like mm. that's what you should be able to expect. Yeah. And 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 life, you should be able to express those emotions. And I wasn't about to stifle my emotions. I was gonna let my kids see. That's good. Yeah, Daddy Sometimes cried. Sometimes Daddy mm. cries. Daddy cried. Daddy felt sadness. Yes. And how yes. many? Mm-hmm. How many times have have you gone to? Oh, I've never seen my dad cry. I've only. Mm. I've never. I've seen my dad cry once. At, mm. No, my girl's gonna know. You can express. So back to the question mm-hmm. of expressing emotions. Mm-hmm. You should. You should be able to expect that. Yeah. Coming in at therapy. Yeah. That's good. Well, I, I, we're wrapping up here. Yeah, we're gonna yeah, wrap yeah. it up, and I yeah. got—I'm got, gonna throw a doozy out here to Go wrap ahead. it up with. Go ahead. <laughs> practical skills, really practical here. Yeah, we're going into an election season. Yeah, we're going into—I'm gonna say it's been four years of a 
I'm not speaking political. I'm not I'm taking a political side. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think either side of the aisle, we can all agree the environment in the country has been tumultuous <sighs> at best. Yeah. At best. At best. Give me some practical tools going into an election season that clearly is just ramping up. Just, just watch Twitter. How do we stay healthy? What do we do? What do we do with all that? First word. First word that pops up. Okay, two things popped in my mind. Okay, can I have like one minute to, to paint a plug? <laughs> <laughs> when I started the Relationship Clinic of Waco, one of the things I wanted to do was work on marriages, right? I wanted to, to make sure that marriages had a fighting chance before people went down to the courthouse and got mm. a divorce. One of my biggest things, marriage is restored. I wanted to give people hope. I also wanted people to work through their individual issues in terms of mental health. The other piece was I wanted the relationship clinic, and I haven't done it yet, but I feel like God is just, I'm nudging right on the edge, is to start finally a, practice, a private practice where people can heal from racial, from mm. heal from racial um, mm-hmm. racism, mm-hmm. racial injustices. Mm-hmm. And with the rhetoric that's been thrown around for the last four years, the experiences that we have all had, I think I have to, one, be able to create that space, a group therapy space for people to come in and just process their emotions about mm. the last four years, about mm. their, their, their racial experiences, their race, the, the times that they've experienced racism. So that's one practical is go to group therapy that I'm going to start. Mm. The second is mindfulness. I think going into this time, if we fail to practice mindfulness, like Mm. really grounding ourselves Mm. on what we believe, Mm -hmm. what we, and and taking time to back away from all of the noise that we are currently hearing that we'll only continue to hear. It's good. Like practicing mindfulness, meditation, Mm -hmm. body scans, Mm -hmm. like just Mm -hmm. literally taking yourself... Yoga, mm-hmm. men and women. I need to actually find like I keep praying. That's I got one thing, you, Gary. I got you. Got you. Me? I got I'm you. serious. Like I've, I'll I've get you like, right in. Oh, being yeah. able to literally, so it's so like we move so fast and so quick throughout the day. Making sure that you find that space to just have solitude mm-hmm. when you are having to make whether whether you having to make a decision on who you voting for, whether you whether you are just trying to survive the newspaper articles, the the yeah. interruptions on TV, like mindfulness. Back yourself up and become mindful. Yeah. Um, I think surround yourself with, and I wrapped in mindfulness, wrap yourself in a community that's like-minded, mm-hmm. but also a community that you can be in and just have those challenging conversations in yeah. a safe space. Yeah. We just don't know how to dialogue anymore, do we? No. It's like yelling. No. So I, I I, really think that's going to be really important. I know for me, going into this season of I need to be surrounded. My environment needs to be conducive mm. to keep my mental health. Like my the people that I surround, that I surround myself with um, need to be conducive for the mental health. Yeah, that's good. So mindfulness is the biggest thing. Surrounding yourself with a, a great community. And can we just ice all that with some kindness? <laughs> Let's just be when kind. Listen, understand, and validate somebody. Yeah, 
yeah. practical. Like, listen to them. Right. Understand. Don't agree. You don't sure. got to agree. Sure. But listen, if we, if in this time that we're going into, if you can listen to, understand, and value, I, I definitely think that is an act of kindness that you yes. can do with someone that, e- that, that doesn't share the same um, <sighs> political views, yeah. rhetoric that you believe. Sure. Take time to listen to Understand and Validate. That's I think good. love is a great way to wrap this up. Yeah. Listen, understand, love. and validate. I love that. Yeah. Man, I'm so glad God brought you into our lives. Man, the feeling is mutual. <laughs> you are a treasure like, to us, it to is the city. Mutual. Thank you. Y'all are family to us. Y'all mm. girls are family. Gus is amazing. Like, I really appreciate the space that you guys have created mm. for this community and obviously for 3224. Windsor and mm-hmm. what that means um, to us and, and now what it means to the, the Waco community. So if people want to find you, where can they find you yeah. online? Online Um There you can get to know me. We put a lot of time into the website. So uh, read the bio, read my, my change theory, read how I feel like people can grow Book an appointment. Um, they can buy the shirt there too, right? You can buy that the shirt. shirt. Kind of went viral. What Kirk Franklin wore it or something. Oh. Kirk Franklin posted. Kirk Franklin posted it on his Instagram. Um, his wife was wearing it, and then then Tammy um, Franklin she also posted on her, her Instagram, and it was yeah. So the shirt has just been such I a staple. So yeah, pray, you want I talk. I see a therapist. Mm-hmm. That's the campaign. So go online, get your shirts. We'll send it out asap. Um, yeah, and Instagram. TRC Waco, uh, Facebook, TRC Waco, Twitter, TRC Waco. And we'll put links to all of those on our page as well. And then we may post a video of you doing Birdie's hair. Birdie's hair? I got to get a good one. Okay. It, it, you send it. Send us a good one for okay. sure. Hattie, our oldest, was watching your girls the other day. She came home. <laughs> she came home with, with a hairdo. With a hairdo of of it was really just oily hair. And <laughs> uh, awesome. Birdie was doing Hattie's Bird, hair. With, Birdie tried. It was it was good. And then when I babysat, she said, um, "Okay, we, you got to wrap my hair up." You know, she before I go to bed, <laughs> and I was like, uh, uh, how do I, "Culturally competent, we got you." Culturally, <laughs> you know what? And I do wear actually, I wear wraps a lot, so I was like, "Okay, well, it's kind of like this," and I'll tie it back here, tie it and tuck it, and and it didn't look anything like how y'all wrap it, but it worked. She didn't it complain. Worked. She was it very worked. gracious to me. Oh, you know, man. white woman trying to wrap her hair. <laughs> well, she was so gracious. Thanks for being with us. You. And we love will you catch guys. you guys on All the right. next episode. And remember love. That's right. Hey, thanks for joining the Jesus said love podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to awaken hope and empower change with us. We want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review Yes, because your voice matters. It's how we get this message into the world. And lastly, be sure to follow Jesus Said Love on Instagram and Facebook for up-to-date info. And visit the website at JesusSaidLove.com for how you can join the JSL fam. Until next time. Share the love.